0: This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for joining us. The Shy Wolf Sanctuary in Naples got its start in 1993 when founders Nancy and Kent Smith began taking in animals that were not accepted by government animal services, wildlife rehabilitators, or zoos. Their first rescue was actually a black Asian leopard named Moondance. Shy Wolf became a nonprofit in 2001 and has grown to be a refuge for all sorts of animals, including numerous wolves and wolf dogs, a cougar, exotic species of fox from all across the globe, also with things like prairie dogs, Florida gopher tortoises, and sugar gliders. In its 30 years, Shy Wolf has rescued more than 1,200 animals, as well as provided uh, educational experiences to tens of thousands of visitors from around the world from its small property of just a few acres. To learn more about the sanctuary, how it managed during Hurricane Ian, and its plans to grow, I'm joined today by its executive director, Deanna Deppin. Deanna, welcome to Gulf Coast Life.
1: Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure. Appreciate you having us.
0: No, it's a pleasure to talk to you today. I, I've always been uh, an admirer of the work that you do, so I'm happy to be able to talk to you about it. Um, for starters, can you just tell us a bit about yourself and how you wound up working with exotic animals like wolves, etc.?
1: Well, it was November of 2000 when I first went out to the sanctuary. I had run into a volunteer at a pet store. I was helping a friend get her dog food she'd had eye surgery and could lift the bag and we ran into Michael Kloman who was there with a wolf dog named Nakipa and we got to talking to him about this unique dog he invited us out to his friend's house Nancy's Smith's to meet some wolves and so in November we went out there we met the wolves and Nancy we got a back rub from Taiwan who was a McKenzie Valley wolf said this is amazing but uh, you should be a nonprofit. left our donation whatever it was and and went on our way and then a few months later when I went back out again she Nancy said okay uh, we're a nonprofit. now what and so ever since then it's been figuring out the next step or know what, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, How do you describe the sanctuary and the work that you do? Like if you were to meet somebody out in the world and they say, what do you do? How do you describe the work that you do out there? Not just you, but the whole, you know, the whole team.
1: We rescue captive bred exotic and unreleasable wild animals that have nowhere else to go. Zoos won't take them. They get their animals from certain specific Places and lineages, especially if they're certified or accredited, Um, wildlife rehabbers can't keep the animals indefinitely. If they can't be released to the wild, they need them to go somewhere so they can rescue more animals in the future. And domestic animal shelters are not qualified to deal with many of the animals that we rescue, nor do they know how to screen, screen adoptive homes for these specific behaviors that some of these animals may have so um, they would euthanize if they can't find a place for them to go.
0: Hmm. Um, how can people visit the sanctuary? I understand it's, it's it's private visits so you have to arrange it beforehand. Um, can you just explain how that works sort of in, and how long the wait time is probably?
1: For the regular visit which is a combined group of people um, you may be looking at a few months ahead. We used to um, have have people book out as, as much as a year ahead, but COVID kind of changed that. So it's not as long, but we are seeing increased interest in coming back out since you know things have slowly returned to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but you go to our connect button on our website and you can find different options for having educational programs, you know, come out to you. We do community based programs mm. where we'll go to um different community, you know, we've got Living with Wildlife programs, we've got school programs, we have recently expanded our Wi Fi so we can offer virtual programs. So there are a lot of options to connect with us and learn about the animals and what we do.
0: Where are you guys Where are, where are you guys located exactly and, and how did you do during Ian? I think you were far enough far enough south and sort of inland that uh, but explain you know how, how did Ian impact you if at all?
1: We are within three miles of the intersection of 951 or Collier Boulevard and Pine Ridge Road <clears throat> in what's called the Estates, Golden Gate Estates. We have bought 17 acres over by, by Wilson and Golden Gate Boulevard. So we'll be moving in the next few years, hopefully, to that location once we raise the funds to be able to start building fences and moving to that location. But it's a process. You have to get site development approval and all that. As far as Ian goes, we fared very well during Ian. We had some tree damage, but overall less damage than what we had during Irma. I think Irma care of a lot of our trees for right, us right. so we had a lot less to um, deal with during Ian from the wind and and the aftermath of that But uh, certainly we had some damage and we feel for the whole community and that's why we we started um, we've, we've talked for years about wanting to build a community animal shelter building that will be rated for cat 5 on our property we want two buildings Ultimately, one that will be designated for our animals and one that would be designated for community use for first responders' pets, who first responders have to work during these situations as well as other community pets where people might not evacuate. Like in Ian, you know, most of the deaths were older people, a lot of them were people who had pets. Maybe they didn't feel like they could evacuate during. The storm because the shelters didn't allow the pets or they were full to the quantity that they would allow uh, we would be a resource in that situation where people could put their pet in that building and then go to the shelter or evacuate and we would watch their animals so that's a huge goal of ours is to get that built
0: and you just recently had or or fairly recently had a a like a kickstarter campaign where you started the process to raise money for that and it was successful i understand
1: it was it was very successful of course the building itself is projected to cost 500 dollars a square foot so and we're anticipating a 10,000 square foot building so that we can house a lot of animals in it and that you know of course totals five million dollars for that one building, but but our Kickstarter campaign was very successful. We set a goal of fifty thousand. We know that, you know, a lot of people are hurting right after EM, but we felt it important to raise awareness while while the memory was still close as to what we had all endured in this area and the need for this this structure was so obvious to so many people, and we exceeded that goal by over $30,000. So we're very grateful for the community support and everyone believing as we do that this is a much needed resource for the entire community. It's not a matter of if, but when the next hurricane's going to come, and we want to be part, part of the solution to helping people and animals during that situation. And then there's the long-term effects, too. Um, You know, after, after the storm, people have lost their houses or had damage, and they can't necessarily be reunited with their animals immediately, or their fencing has been damaged. So this building could be a resource even after the storm for those people and those animals.
0: Um, I, don't know the, I don't know if this is a strange question uh, or am I just le- leaning into like urban myths, but did the animals at the sanctuary behave differently as the storm started approaching? Do they know a storm like Ian is coming before it gets here or is that just I've watched too many movies?
1: Animals do know. I mean, we we watch them certainly to tell if we feel like it's going to be something that's going to just blow past us or if it will be something we need to take seriously. We always try to um, take it seriously regardless. But, but there is a certain amount of, you know, are the animals acting differently? Yes, at times they do. But interestingly, um, a lot of our animals will not stay in the houses that we provide during the storms. They'd prefer to lay out under the house or outside outside. Of the,
0: the shelter. Um, hmm. um, I'm not sure why that is but they do. Yeah well they everybody has their preferences I suppose. Um, how many wolves you know it's called shy wolf so most people think of wolves. How many wolves and or wolf dogs do you guys currently have out there?
1: We have four what we would call full wolves and then um, wolf dogs we probably have around I haven't totaled the numbers lately, but I'd say around 20.
0: Are wolf dogs like a straight cross breed between dogs and wolves, or is there a lot more genetics going on there?
1: Wolf dogs can either be a wolf bred to a dog, which would be an F1 animal, or a wolf dog bred to a wolf dog, or a wolf dog bred to a dog. So the, when the f when we talk about F animals, that's the generation removed from the the actual wild parent. So um, most wolf dogs tend to be several generations removed from the wild parent. Most people do not tend to have full wolves that they're breeding to create wolf dogs. They'll breed a wolf dog to a dog or a wolf dog to a wolf dog uh, to get to get the animal. It's hard to know. There's no way to know the F generation really from the animals that we rescue. Um, we, we do DNA tests to get percentage of wolf and what the breeds are. And it's generally Husky, Malamute and Shepherd that are the primary breeds, but there are a few others that show up like Samoyed or um, that, you know, not usually Northern breed, you know, look, furrier-looking animals that they try to keep that wolf look.
0: Hmm. Uh, um, We did a news story with you back in 2019 when there was a gray wolf you had named Yuki, I think is how you pronounce it, that was sort of blowing up on social media. Is that wolf still out there?
1: Yuki was a high-content wolf dog. He was like 87% wolf and... No, he's not still there. He actually survived. He was diagnosed with cancer when all of that first started and he was going viral. He lived three years past his diagnosis date. So he did very well, but he has since passed.
0: Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, And and in terms of the scope of the other animals that you are able to care for, I also was interested to learn that apparently you are one of the few places that's permitted to uh, take care of uh, threatened gopher tortoises, Florida gopher tortoises. Is that? Are, do you have any out there now?
1: We have four gopher tortoises. Uh, they Nancy was actually, I believe, the first person to get a gopher tortoise permit. Back when she first started advocating for them, there was no permit. You couldn't have them in captivity. You couldn't release them. There was a concern about a respiratory disease. So they wouldn't allow animals to be uh, reintroduced into wild populations for fear that they might make the other tortoises sick. So you couldn't keep them, you couldn't release them, you couldn't euthanize them. What and we wouldn't want to. So what do you do with them? So she, she actually went to Fish and Wildlife and said, "You need to, you need to do something to allow us to keep these." And they created an educational permit for the gopher tortoises, which we have to this day, um, Hmm. so that we can take them to schools and and teach children about protecting them and how they're a keystone species. A lot of animals survive wildfires by running into the burrows of the gopher tortoises. So they're a huge um, resource for
0: our environment. Are there, I, I assume the answer is yes, but are there animals that you are, that are beyond the scope of what you will care for? Like if somebody has, I don't know, a big cat or something like that, is that just beyond what you guys are prepared or, or you know, equipped to deal with?
1: At our current location, yes. At our new location, no, we, we plan on building, you know, a facility that could accommodate Larger cats or even bears say fish and wildlife had an injured bear or bear. They had to uh, Relocate somewhere because it was a nuisance animal. We would like to be a resource for that at our current location We cannot do that because um, you have to have at least five acres and and we want to have bigger habitats for it Lions Tigers those larger cats again, we would need to have more acreage to provide bigger habitats. So um, we cannot take those animals and have not taken those animals.
0: Um, you oh, mentioned dude. this earlier, but um, the animals aren't meant to stay with you forever, I think. I mean, do you then try to find, do you have homes that are properly equipped or, or what is, you know, what is the, the goal when a, an animal comes to you once it's rehabilitated and maybe, you know, calmed down enough that it can be rehomed? How does that work?
1: We have three programs. First, obviously, is rescue. The second is sanctuary. We've always been intentionally a sanctuary to animals who had nowhere else to go. And then our third program is education. We've always been about educating uh, the community and people um, who visit us. The goal would be to rehome the animals that are appropriate to rehome, that do not need to live in a sanctuary, wolf dogs, can live in homes and may require a certain type of home to have certain um, behaviors. Wolf dogs can have behaviors that huskies and malamutes will have. They'll dig, they'll climb, they'll run. They need a lot of exercise. So it's not that their behaviors are that out of the norm for a domestic dog, but you can't just get one and expect it to behave like the normal domestic dog and want to obey you. Um, they, they do think for themselves and, um, they do have their own opinions. So generally speaking, you have to be a more experienced dog owner or Northern breed dog owner to have a, have a lot of the wolf dogs that we rescue. But then, you know, we've rescued some that are just couch potatoes. Hmm. So we evaluate the animals in need of rescue like Vector right now, who's up for adoption, he wants to be in a house. He went to Snowfest. He was great with kids. He didn't care if people were surrounding him. That's not the typical wolf dog that we rescue, but that is his personality. So he could actually be adopted to a home who wanted to take him for walks. Wouldn't necessarily require a fenced yard like some some animals.
0: Hmm. We only have about we only have about a minute left, so I, I can't let you go on too long. But as executive director of a place like Shy Wolf Sanctuary, in my mind, you get to hang out with wolves and wolves dogs all day. Or are you in the office too much? Like, do you get to spend a lot of time around these animals?
1: I don't spend nearly as much time as I would like. I'm doing a lot of the things that people don't want to do, like the you know fundraising, grant writing development side of things but certainly I do have some time that I spend with them and and that's what drives us to continue working on their behalf.
0: Well I want to thank you so much for your time and we will have a link to you your work and uh, you know your efforts to raise money for that pet shelter on our website but I want to thank my guest Deanna Deppin is executive director of the Shy Wolf Sanctuary Education and Experience Center in Naples. Deanna thank you so much for your time today I appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having us. Happy holidays.
0: You too. If you missed any of the show today, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website, wgcu.org slash GCL, or wherever you find podcasts. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director today is Jared Gonzalez. Our social media coordinator is Tara Callaghan. For now, thank you for listening. I'm Mike Connery. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM. We are NPR for Southwest Florida.